listening to the Arsenal Rumble. Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Rumble, where today we're going to be discussing the disappointing draw and ultimate knockout by Sporting Lisbon in the Europa League last 16. As always, I'm joined by my co-rambler Dom. How are you, mate? You're good? Yeah, yeah, I'm uh, I'm all good, thanks, Dave. I'm in a bit of a mixed mindset and feeling over what happened last night in the Europa League. Yeah, it's one of those where I wasn't really sure if I wanted us to progress so far in this competition just because of all the extra games. It looks like from the draw, we would have had maybe Juventus in the next round and then the winner of the Man United Sevilla game. Uh, and that's an extra four tough games, which we would have had to have played our first 11, essentially. Uh, and then there would have been the final after that. So there was that side of me um, all game, really, thinking about that last night. Um, but then at the same time, it's hard to get past the fact that we've essentially just fumbled uh, another shot at some, some silverware this season, which, you know, as a football fan, that's what we're here for. So mixed mixed feelings, really. But um, yeah, pretty good, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Yeah, to be fair pretty similar with me to be honest I mean I'd be lying if I said I didn't want Arsenal to win this trophy um because like you say it's silverware it's a European trophy which we haven't won in a very very long time um and it yeah it, it's just it's it's a weird one because our focus just didn't seem to be there we've got plenty of first teamers in this uh starting 11 and, and there have been it throughout the the, the previous game as well uh, in sporting. Um, but it just seemed like they've got one eye on the Premier League almost, that they just didn't seem up for it. Um, it almost seems like we were just trying to play the game at one gear less and you just can't get away with that. We, we just looked tired. Our minds looked elsewhere. Um, and to be honest, that is quite understandable to a point. Um, and like we said in previous podcasts, I'm... Um, I'm kind of on the fence whether we should have just sort of done a, a full Arsene Wenger and played kids <laughs> um, and, you know, got, got kicked out maybe and, and gone, well, who cares? But now in hindsight, I wish we just did that because now we're looking back at a game where we've played 120 minutes, we've got injuries, we've got potential injuries that we may not even know about because even Trossard and that limped off the pitch. Um, and... You know, it, it just adds to the disappointment of a, a really deflating night. But, you know, there's plenty of silver linings that, that have come from this. And we'll obviously get our teeth stuck into that a little bit later. But, yeah, ultimately just a little bit deflated, a little bit disappointed. Yeah, that, that was one of my main takeaways from the game as well, is the fact that you've got to either be completely for it and have all your players really up for it and gunning straight from the off because it did look like during the game they, they did have, as you say, one eye on the Premier League and they, they weren't really going gun-ho. Um, or mm. in, if you're not going to go for that approach, as you say, just play all your kids because if you get knocked out, then you're not too worried about it. But it did seem like we were a bit in between where we wanted to still progress. So we played all of our decent players um, minus one or two um, from the off. And then you're in this position where you've had so many of your decent players now absolutely shattered from playing 120 minutes, a few injuries cropping up, which we're going to talk about as well. And and essentially you ended up losing the game anyway. So I think it's yeah. probably the worst outcome of what could have happened 
but yeah. you know that's just the way it is i guess yeah it's yeah it's just what happened isn't it we can't know anything about it now um just got to try and look towards that that uh weekend fixture against palace and and hope that everything's okay but we won't know until one hour before kickoff whether we've sustained any further injuries that we don't know about because Arteta is clearly going to keep that close to his chest but yeah, you could clearly see that Arteta wanted this by the substitutions he was making he was throwing all the big guns on and to be honest it did make a difference when Saka and Partey came on we looked a hell of a lot better um it was just a, a little bit too late to be honest um but uh anyway let, let's go on to the starting lineup as we always do and, and sort of discuss um our thoughts on that because uh in the when we were discussing what what we thought he might do at the end of the the previous game and at the first leg we we sort of queried about whether he would go stronger now the game's sort of in balance or whether he'd stick with some of the players like Turner for example in goal and I think I I was I was under the impression that he'd stick with Turner um sort of show that faith in him but he's obviously not he's gone with Ramsdale he's gone with a very strong back line of Zinchenko and Gabriel Saliba and Tommy Asu. So, yeah, as we've just echoed, he, he clearly wanted to go strong in this second leg, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I, I think um, the players which really tended to underperform in the first leg was both Turner and Kivio, um, two players who you felt like the only opportunity for them to really have a, another start would have been in this second leg. However, I think Arteta saw that the way that they struggled in that first game, it, it would have been naive maybe for Arteta to have uh, played them again, just because he saw how clear and obvious the the errors were that they made. That I think he felt like his his hand was forced, and he he probably had to start Ramsdale and had to start Gabriel. Um, so yeah, I don't really blame him for that one. Um, and also, as you say, we had quite a strong back line. We had Saliba, Gabriel, um, Zinchenko as well. I think it was rumoured that Tierney was going to start this game because he's back and he wasn't mm. ill like he was in the first leg. But I think just just by the names that are on the team sheet, it, it really did show that we were almost feeling feeling like we, we really wanted to get the job done in the first half in this game. You, you know, like maybe score one or two, blow them away, and then we can try and rest players. Um, but unfortunately, as we saw, that didn't actually, didn't actually happen. But with um, having Jesus come back into the squad, maybe playing these uh, more experienced players around Jesus was trying to be, um, from Arteta's point of view, trying to be more of a catalyst to be able to give Jesus some opportunities to be able to create and score and get right back into the flow of things. It's almost like an audition back for the Premier League because if you did want to thrust Jesus back into this game and have a load of kids around him, for example, then he's not going to get the opportunities and he might not be uh, as up to speed when we when we need him in the Premier League. So he could have had that on his mind as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. To be, to be fair, I think, you, yeah, like you say, we went out of a pretty strong team uh, a team that was more than good enough um, to beat this Sporting Lisbon team. Um, and when Jacker got that early goal, I couldn't help but think this is going to be just sort of one of those games where we just plod along and, and just stick a goal in every now and again and then ease it out with some with some substitutions like a Tierney, for example. But ultimately, we've, we've had players like Zinchenko play 120 minutes, which really does worry me a little bit because he's so key to this Arsenal team. Um, 
to to have him on tired legs for Sunday is is a little bit of a worry. Um, but like you say, we have got Tierney, who is very good. Um, uh, you know, as a as a backup, he is a different type of fullback. But you know, to have that, hopefully, uh, if we need, then that's uh, only a good thing. Um. Anyway, so moving on, let's let's get into the game because we've already touched on certain elements already. Anyway, um, but in the first half, uh, I think all the Arsenal fans were a little bit blown away, really, because Sporting really did dominate uh, with possession early on, and we just couldn't get hold of the ball, and, and it's just not something we're really used to, is it? No, especially as we're such a possession-based team, it was really weird that I think about thirteen minutes in. I remember looking at the clock and thinking, we've not actually had the ball at all, really. Mm-hmm. Like, we've not been able to string more than two passes together before we actually give it away because Sporting, to be fair to them, they were pressing well, they were keeping the ball well, they were yeah. uh, recycling around the back and managed to, managing to uh, actually create a few half-decent opportunities in our half. So that was something that we weren't really expecting. Um, and it was a bit of a follow-on from the first leg, the fact that um, they just seemed more up for this game. Uh, They seemed more up for the Mm. first leg, seemed more up for the second leg sporting. I think maybe it could be something to do with the fact that they're not really in touch and distance of winning their title, um, respective title in Portugal. Um, So it's probably their only shot at silverware this season. So they're going to be going hell for leather for it. But yeah, they just seemed up for it and we looked quite sluggish. Um, as you say, and we said before, they looked like they had one eye or somewhere else. So they weren't putting all their eggs in this basket kind of thing. But first 15, 20 minutes didn't really touch the ball until you know we actually ended up managing to uh, make that chance that fell to Xhaka and he put it away smartly, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. But going back, I think I think you're spot on with the uh, the assessment of Sporting. I think yeah that they're domestically they are not really in with the shout of the uh, the league, so all their focus is on this Europa League. And I think that personally, the way they played over the two legs, I think they've got enough to be able to go far in this competition. Um, mm. So fair play to them. Um, but with Arsenal, obviously, it would be great to have a European competition, but. And, and as we've said before, Arteta's clearly going fairly strong in this. So I think he does want to win it. Um, it's just, it's just, it hasn't gone that way. The players clearly have one mind, one eye elsewhere. Um, and yeah, it just sort of transpired into the performances on the pitch. Uh, and ultimately, we just couldn't, couldn't match their intensity, and 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 the, they were just. You know the passing was so accurate and quick, and we were just one gear less. We could, we were taking too many touches on the ball, um, and I really don't want to criticise a, a single player too much because it's not something I particularly like to do. But Vieira really was uh, a bit of a problem in that midfield for us. He was taking far too long on the ball. It was just he was just not at the at the game today, um, which is really frustrating because. We've just started to see decent performances from Vieira, especially in that first leg game away at Sporting. I thought he was one of the better players in that game. And you couldn't help but think a Portuguese player who came from that league, he sort of may have had a little bit of a a point to prove. um, But, 
you know, he was one of the one of the worst performers in this game, I would say. And and, and that was really, really frustrating to see. Yeah, yeah, he, he did underperform um, a fair bit. Um, and it, it predominantly, if we're actually looking at that right attacking side, so building up, usually we would have, for example, Partey, Odegaard and Saka, but we had Jorginho, Vieira and Nelson. So all three players were, were swapped out from our first 11 and we, we you could tell really that we weren't creating much on that side, which is somewhere where we're usually such a threat in almost every game because of uh, the likes of Saka and Odegaard, for example. So it, it almost made it so that if Sporting were to then cover their right-hand side, where we had the likes of Martinelli um, going down the wings, that we wouldn't really have much of a threat. Um, one thing that I did pick up, which I thought was quite refreshing, actually, uh, from that right side, uh, was the, the some of the um, crosses that Nelson managed to whip in with his right foot. It's something that we've not really seen from either side really having a play from that side using that foot kind of thing like a right footed cross from the right we, we see Saka sometimes going down the byline and cutting it back with his right or cutting in and using his left foot for a cross but yeah it was it was quite refreshing to see a few right footed old old style old school style crosses from that side but unfortunately we don't have the type of player in the center to be able to capitalize on those kind of opportunities so it's almost rendered invalid there's no point even chucking that crossing in the first place unless it's pinpoint yeah. uh, accurate to jesus or whatever but yeah I, we were definitely a lot weaker on that side i'd say mm. yeah yeah and, and like you say uh, around 90 minutes in we did eventually get that um that opening goal um thanks to to Martinelli going through, uh, his shot was saved pretty well. Who I, I must say, that keeper is a quality keeper. I know he's he's come from mm. the Real Madrid academy. He played, um, was it through Atletico Madrid and, and a little bit of Batiste maybe, but he's a very experienced keeper. And you know, I, I think he, he really showed that today because he did it. Or yesterday, sorry, he he had a, a really good performance. Um, but yeah, Xhaka ultimately there to turn in the rebound. Um, and that nice little celebration um, for his daughter, uh, who um, <laughs> I noticed his wife on social media um, put a photo of his daughter, sort of doing it back to her, uh, to him, sorry, uh, which I thought was was really nice. Um, I think the the sporting Lisbon player seemed to misunderstand that one because I think they sort of took a little bit of a gripe to it at the at the full time whistle as they um, sort of were doing it back in jest as if we, it was some sort of personal insult did you did you see all that or yeah i saw it was the, it was the final penalty taker for them wasn't it after he, he buried it and um we eventually ended up losing the game i think he started to copy the celebration but i, I guess you know in football if you if you're going to do a celebration like that regardless of the meaning you've got to just take it on the chin if they if they replicate it and do it back to you i think you know it's it's one of those things that yeah. Players sometimes make. I, th I think you've just got to accept it. I guess it it was done in jest, um, and yeah, just a bit of fun, really. I don't think Jack is going to take too much offence to it, really, as he's not going to think about it twice. No. But um, unfortunately, around this time in the first half, we actually had two major injuries as well, um, just before the goal and just after the goal. Um, Tommy Asu before, um, meaning that Ben White had to come on and then play the remainder of the game, which was minutes that he shouldn't really have had to play before Sunday. Um, and what is a bigger loss, I would say, 
was William Saliba. Now, I didn't really see what happened to Saliba. I'm not sure how he got injured or what he even injured. Um, I just saw him being substituted off for Roberto Holdini. So that was something that I, that was something from the game, which regardless of whether we won or lost, we really could have done without. Massively, yeah. Like we, like we said at the start, to have injuries in this sort of game is is the last thing we want. Um, I must say the Tommy Asu one looks a lot more serious. It looks as if it's a, a knee problem, and as we both know, uh, as we've both done ACLs ourselves, that knees are not the area you want to be injuring. And that sort of movement as well, he sort of. He slips, he slips and essentially does the splits almost. And that's the exact type of movement that can cause ligament damage. Um, so if that is the case, then we could be looking like that's his season over and probably a big part of the the summer period as well. Um, so that's a really, really frustrating one. Um, really disappointing. Uh, and I also saw that he left on crutches as well, which sort of adds to that factor that it, it's not looking too good for Tommy Asu. With the Saliba one, it does look a little bit more promising. I, I saw him sort of indicating to, to Ramsdale actually on, on the TV. He was, he was sort of pointing to his lower back to say that he's got some pain there. Um, I didn't see any sort of challenge that could indicate that it's a, like a muscular from a, going up for a header or something like that. I didn't see anything like that. So I think it might just be maybe like a back spasm or something like that. Hopefully something not too serious that, you know, just um, a couple of days out will help rec him recover. But, uh, you know, that that's the the best we can hope for, really. If it's something more long-term, then he will be huge um, to, to miss from our, from our centre-back pairing, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's especially the loss of them both, because we can always do a little rejig and a reshift. Um, for example, if Saliba was to be out for a couple of games, then you could maybe put Ben White back in centre back where he was uh, partnering Gabriel last season and put Tommy Asso at right back. However, if they're both out, then that right side of options just become quite thin. And then we're looking at maybe Rob Holding starting the Premier League, which he can do a job to see out a game uh, every now and then, but you really don't want him in a team that plays out from the back. We progress from there. He's not as great with his feet and his passing ability. So pretty much all of our build-up from the back would be in jeopardy by having Rob Holding play. And that's just something we don't want to see. Um, so hopefully oh. Saliba will be all right. And hopefully Tommy Asu hasn't had such a massive injury. It did look like he hyperextended his leg, didn't he, when he went in for that challenge? He kind of, he leans through and then the uh, the player shimmies and he's not expecting him to. So it does look like his leg just overstretches a little bit. So maybe a bit of a knee injury, but fingers crossed he's all right. But um, yeah, uh, after, after that, we had quite a bit of a lull in the game, really. It, it seemed like it was just drifting. Um, we, we seemed quite comfortable. We didn't have a lot of the ball. Um, but we, it didn't really look like we we're going to create many opportunities or concede many opportunities. It was just kind of going through the motions a little bit. And then all of a yeah. sudden, in a snapshot, oh my God, what a finish. I think it was Pablo Gonzalez um, for Sport in Lisbon from just inside the halfway line. <laughs> it, uh, to be honest, uh, I hate it when we concede. Um, I'm I, obviously never pleased when we concede, but I had to just 
clap when this went in because I thought, wow, what a goal that was. He he mm. rifled the way he saw Ramsdale off his line because he he does play that sweeper keeper role. And to be fair to Ramsdale, um it gets us out of a lot of sticky situations when he's there to receive the ball from these three ball opportunities. But I think they must have studied this. This was saw him off his line, hits the ball, perfect execution, and then it just floats into the net. And you've mm. just got to say hats off to that guy. You know, really, because I, I don't think I think like 99 times out of 100 that misses. Um, he has to hit that in that exact spot where it's just sort of dipping enough to, to come underneath the bar. Um, and Ramsdale were pretty close, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, you just sort of have to sort of applaud it, really, like you say. Um, not a lot we could do about that. Um, I don't think you can really criticise Arsenal in any way, apart from sort of giving the ball away cheaply in midfield uh, in the first place um which was sort of was a theme of the whole night really giving the the ball away cheaply so eventually it was going to hurt us i just didn't think it would be in that sort of way um mm. but yeah like you say we just have to sort of take that one on the chin and and hopefully that that could have been the driving factor to to really help us push on and 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 kill the game off but it, it just didn't seem to transpire that way um I think even less than 10 minutes later, Ramsdale had to pull off an absolute worldy save, didn't he? From um, Edwards, <laughs> the, the ex-Tottenham player as well. And, and that would have been a real sort of dagger to the heart, wouldn't it? Um, an ex-Tottenham player finishing off the game 2-1. Um, but that was a, a quality save with his face. Uh, <laughs> to, to knock him out almost um, instantly. Um, but it doesn't matter how you save him. Uh, that was a crucial... Or hopefully what would have been a crucial save to, to keep us in the game. But um, ultimately, it took us to extra time because we didn't really create that many clear-cut chances ourselves up until the, the full-time whistle. Yeah, I, I was going to say, um, it would have been great if we did click into gear once we had conceded. But as you say, it did seem like the opposite happened. And yeah. <laughs> to be fair to Ramsdale, that is an unbelievable save. In the face of adversity, he uses his face. Um and yeah, I was I was hoping that we could maybe fashion one kind of opportunity for us to just settle the game and put it to bed. But it did seem like we were just overcomplicating things sometimes. Um, most notably, Vieira and Trossard both getting into situations in in the uh, opposition's penalty box where they'd get the ball in a decent area, they'd have time to maybe pull off a shot or. Um, at least get something on target and they just opted to go for maybe like a little back hill pass without looking to where it's going uh really yeah. frustrating to lose the ball there when you've worked so hard to get it into that area to then just do a blind back heel to nobody and then we lose the ball and then it, it's five or ten minutes before we could actually get the ball back again you think just at mm. least have a go it could go anywhere you could get a deflection as you saw in the first goal you know the ball he had a shot Martinelli had a shot ball was deflected and then Jack had scored so just sometimes you just got someone's got to take uh, take an opportunity and um, but no unfortunately that didn't happen and we did end up going to extra time didn't we yeah which was the last thing we wanted as we've we've talked about you know adding these extra minutes into our players legs is is really not helpful for the game against Crystal Palace and thankfully we have got a um international break after the palace game so 
I think if we can get through that Palace game with all three points, I don't think many Arsenal fans will be that fussed. I think we'll we'll look back and be like, okay, that's what's happened. We've got the three points in Palace. We've got a nice little rest now. Uh, well, the non-international players uh, have got a nice little rest. Um, to be fair, we don't have a huge um, plethora of, of international players that are going to be going out on duty. We've got Saka, we've got Partey, Xhaka. There's a few, but um, you know, the majority of our squad will get um, a big time to to rest there, um, which has come at a good time. Normally, it comes at a pretty frustrating time, doesn't it? And we we sort of lose our players just at the wrong side when they're hitting form or um they'll they'll call up a player when he's he's sort of half injured. Um I did I did actually wonder a little bit um with the Saliba um substitution whether that could have been a, a tactical ploy um from from Arteta to to substitute him off um sort of claim he's got an injury which means he misses out on international duty. I think I'm probably thinking, uh, reading into it a little bit too much there, but I couldn't help but think that's the sort of thing Arteta would do. Um, but yeah, it, it, extra time, last thing we wanted. Um, but we we start off um, obviously with with the reinvigoration of Saka and Partey, and we actually play our best football in these extra time minutes, I would say. Um, and we were unlucky not to get a goal, uh, particularly from the the 97th minute effort um, when Sporting made that mistake in the midfield uh, and essentially Trossard runs onto it uh, one-on-one with the keeper. Uh, Again, a really good save from the keeper uh, and tips it onto the post. But that just felt like the moment, didn't it? Uh, And once that didn't go for us, I think heads were starting to drop. Yeah, it really did start to feel like it wasn't going to be our day after the opportunity didn't go in. Um, Trossard, he's been really cool in front of goal recently. He gets that amazing opportunity to be one-on-one with the keeper. And then, as you say, keeper makes... Uh, and Sporting keeper was brilliant all day. And you felt like even after he made that save, just to knock it onto the post, you know, you're talking inches in it. If it's <laughs> inches the other side, then we score and we probably win the tie. But... You felt like after that he'd saved that opportunity and all the saves that he made through the game that he's going to pull off a couple of worldy saves in the Peno shootout from that from that point onwards. So it, it did feel like it was written in the stars from then. Um, notably, Martin Odegaard, when he came on, though, he was trying to whip up a frenzy and start to get the crowd going and we were creating opportunities. And it, it just shows you how much more effective we are when part A, Odegaard and Saka are on the pitch that... It frees up space in other areas of the pitch for us to create these opportunities. But yeah, unfortunately, we missed that golden golden chance. Um, but he's, what can you do? Sometimes when it's not going for you, it's just not going for you. Yeah, exactly. And, and to be fair, we did actually conjure up some other good chances um, in extra time. Um, records their keeper to make some big saves, mainly from set pieces, from corners. I know Gabriel went close um, from a headed opportunity, um, but we just couldn't get that winner. We we did push, especially in the last sort of 10 minutes of extra time, um, but we just couldn't find it. And it seemed like um, penalties was going to have to be the, the way if we were to do it. They even got a man sent off, uh, which I kind of almost half... <laughs> forget about <laughs> because it happened so late on um but that was a bit of a brutal tacker on Saka wasn't it 
Yeah, it's if if there's one thing that you don't want is to have a game on a Thursday night where Saka has to play minutes and then gets crunched towards the end of it. That's oh. one thing that no Arsenal fan ever wants to see, especially in the, in the position we are in the Premier League at the minute. Um, but yeah, that was there's a lot of malice in that challenge, wasn't there? Is a you know feet off the floor. Um, I think there's potential that it could have been a straight red, but he got a second yellow card for it. Um, and yeah, it was a deserved red card, uh, but it didn't really mean too much in the whole grand scheme of things because it was so late on in the game. So it was quite unfortunate in that fact. But it it meant that. I never knew this, but it meant that when you're taking penalties, you have to level up the players. So I think we opted to take off Rob Holding, um, which we never really got that far in the penalty shootout anyway. Um, but he was then ineligible. I, I don't know if that's the right word. Oh, really? To then take a penalty kick. So yeah, he he was then kind of um, factored out of the penalty kick takers because you have to have... Oh. Um, not, I don't think players are allowed to take more than one penalty before it goes round to the other team or something See, like that. I'm, yeah. I'm not quite sure, but um, he had to step out anyway. No, I never knew that, but it does make sense, I guess. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it didn't come to that anyway, and it, it very rarely ever does. Um, but yeah, we go on to penalties. Um, some pretty well-taken penalties by our players. Um I don't think we can really gripe at Martinelli too much. I think this is the time to get around him and support him like we did all the Bissaka at the Euros. Um, you know, he, he, he got it on target uh, and it was a save from the keeper. You can't really ask for much more than that. Um, it, it, it's penalties at the end of the day. Anyone can win. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. It's a penalty. Um, so we just didn't get the 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 look uh, we didn't get the look on the flip of the coin to take it the other end of the, the Emirates uh, in front of our fans we didn't get the look of the who gets to take the penalty first and we didn't get the look in um, Martinelli's penalty kick it just was a very unlucky night um, and I think it's now time to talk about the silver lining of it all um, and the fact that now we don't have these these midweek fixtures. Whereas our main rival for the Premier League in Manchester City does. They've got to play several midweek fixtures alongside FA Cup as well. Um, and, you know, that is a real boost to our Premier League campaign. Um, the fact that we get to have a week rest in between games um, could be massive. And I think in hindsight, um, in two or three months' time, when we look back, we could be looking at this period um, and, and this loss as ultimately one of the best things that could have happened to us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think if you ask any Arsenal fan or any football fan in general, if they would sacrifice um, sacrifice a shot at winning the Europa League to then solidify the chance to win the Premier League, I think they'd all bite your hand off and say, well, yeah, absolutely, we're going to do that. So, if you look at it in that respect, then maybe it's not an awful thing that we've been knocked out of the Europa League. Um, and then, as you say, Man City, their manager, Pep Guardiola, the only silverware, the only title that he's not won with Man City is the Champions League. And it's the one title that he's actually really bothered about, to be honest. I think 
if he was to win the Premier League, then he wouldn't even be that happy. It's 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 something that they've won so many times over the last decade. It's just really that Champions League title that they're they're dreaming of. Um, and as we see for Man City, uh, they've got to play. I think it is Bayern Munich over two legs, and then either Real Madrid or Chelsea over two legs, and then they've got the final if they're to progress to the final. So that's. Those aren't easy games and there's no chance that they're going to be rotating for those games. They're going to be playing the full squad, Haaland included. So there's potential for injuries and things like that. Um, but as we as we all know, Man City have got such a strength in depth. So it might not even, even matter too much. But um, yeah, hopefully it does uh, impact the way that Man City play and it, it uh, means that they end up swapping players, dropping points, and fingers crossed, it means that our players will be more fresh week in, week out, and we'll be able to pick up points. Um, most notably in that massive away fixture at Man City. I think, if I'm correct, that is pretty close to one of their, their big ties in, in European football. So if if it is sandwiched between them, that would be perfect. I've not actually checked the calendar, but that, that would be great um, if they could rotate for that game. Maybe play um, some of their janitors um, and coaching staff instead of Haaland. That would be great. Thanks. <laughs> well, I've actually got a little, not statistic, but a little bit of a, a what what's going to happen sort of thing over the next few months. And providing Man City beat Burnley at the weekend, they're going to have six midweek games over the next two months compared to our one. And that one game that we have is Manchester City. That, that game we play against City in the league is a midweek fixture, um, like it was uh, at home uh, previously. So that is a big advantage for Arsenal. Um, and like you say, I think it's more about the freshness of our players because we do know how they can be affected by match fitness. You see it in Partey, you see it in Saka. When they're tired, it does reflect within their performances on the pitch. We've got some players like Xhaka that just seem to be able to, to just um, play every single minute under the sun and not be affected whatsoever. Um, but, you know, Saka is someone that's very mobile in games and, and does benefit from from a little bit of a rest. So it could be huge, you know, it, it could be huge. So here's hoping we, we look back at this, yeah, in a couple of months and think, you know, that really was, um, that really was beneficial to us and and um, if it means we win the Premier League, then then obviously I don't think any Arsenal fan is, is going to care about getting knocked out to Sporting Lisbon. <laughs> well, I know I certainly won't care um, at all. But it's also worth noting the fact that, you know, we made these big signings in January to be able to plug some gaps in our team. And when we were still in these different competitions, we've then got to stretch the team to be able to fill those gaps. Uh, for example, when you're playing Jorginho on a Thursday, so then you can play party on a Sunday. But here's to say, like, for example, any of our players could get injured. So say party gets injured, then you've got to play Jorginho on both the Thursday and the Sunday. Uh, and now we don't have to do that. We've got two players to plug one hole rather than potentially one player to try and to, to try and plug two holes kind of thing. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be, it could be really integral to the way that we actually end up at the end of the season. Fingers crossed we can keep churning out the performances 
And as you say, hopefully Man City slap Burnley uh, the weekend and continue in the uh, FA Cup as well. And if they do, uh, it gives us the opportunity to get another three points on the board against Palace, who, by the way, have sacked uh, Patrick Vieira just now, um, which is quite unfortunate because it seems like every time we play one of these lesser, lower down the league teams, they tend to have a manager bout brewing before we end up playing them. So that's quite unfortunate. Yeah. And also a bit sad for Patrick Vieira because he's an Arsenal legend. And um, he did seem like he was doing big things at Palace, especially when he when he started there. But things just kind of ran away from him recently, haven't they? But um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Fingers crossed, we can be eight points clear. Yeah, I am disappointed for Patrick actually because uh, I thought he had showed real promise. Just unfortunately, he just couldn't get those. Well, it seemed like he just drew loads of games. Not even just this season, last season as well. He just couldn't get those draws into wins. Um, but ultimately, you have to say like they didn't really back him financially, uh, did they? You know that he still got um, not really any true striker. I mean, I know they they got Eduard, but it, he's not really lived up to expectations, has he? Um, he's got um, sort of a, a little bit of an unsettled Zahar. So I think he's a little bit harsh on Patrick, um, and I think eventually if they'd have stuck with him. Yeah, and backed him a little bit more financially. He he could have done some some good things at Palace. Um, and I actually do know a few Palace fans that were all, um, sort of of that same mindset. So it'll be interesting to see what they think about this. Uh, but but hopefully they won't actually be able to have a, a new manager bounce because realistically they've they've got you know a couple of days to find a new manager and, and that doesn't seem realistic. Uh, so hopefully it's a it's a case of. You know, no manager, caretaker manager, uh, and that could, you know, potentially affect them a little bit. Um, but who knows? It could also be a, I'm here to prove a point to the to the next manager, whoever that may be. Uh, and you know, they pull out a, a Sean Dyche because that that would be frustrating. Um, let, let, let's hope not, because like I said earlier, if we can get through this fixture, um, the international break comes and it can be a nice little checkpoint reset period. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially, as you say, if we were able to take maximum points from this game and we're worth eight points clear of Man City, we'd be looking at it after the international break. Ten games for us left to play uh, and to not drop, well, five points. But then, obviously, depending on what Man City get with their game in hand, which we know isn't guaranteed points because they've got to actually win that game in hand. So, yeah, you'd be you'd be feeling quite cosy, wouldn't you, with a, a running of 10 games left? So, fingers crossed yeah. we can actually get ourselves into that position after the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I think I've pretty much um, touched on everything I want to do. Is there anything um, that you'd want to add any, any further? Uh, no, there's nothing that I can really think of, apart from one thing that um, you actually sent to me on Twitter earlier, was um, a Spurs fan who is obviously a, a bit of an Arsenal admirer in, in secret. And he had, he, well, he had to trawl uh, about two months through our tweets to be able to find um, something that we, it was a clip of Martinelli, wasn't it? Um, of us saying, what, what I can't remember what we said exactly, basically like, oh, love this from Martinelli. Uh, and it was in January, it was at the start of January that we posted it. And he clipped that and then 
responded to obviously Martinelli missing the penalty, saying, love this from Martinelli. And it just shows you that how good we've actually been, the fact that he had to scroll that far back through our tweets. And also, I don't know why he's following an Arsenal fans page in the first place, um, cause an Arsenal fan, just like Harry Kane. Um, and yeah, I just thought it was quite humorous to, to, to for, for you to have sent me that earlier. It's weird, isn't it? Uh, but it just goes to show the level that they'll stoop to. But uh, obviously, <laughs> we didn't reply. Um, and uh, <laughs> we'll just, uh, yeah, we'll just <laughs> slightly ignore that one. Um, but yeah, um, if that's everything, um, that's it from me. Um, um, I guess we've got the, the, the Palace game now to look forward to at the weekend. Uh, so the podcast for that will go out um shortly thereafter so please tune in um for that one uh, but until next time take care guys catch you later you're listening to the arsenal rumble Through the storm